Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. So as we are leaving the Easter season and entering a new season, we're starting a new sermon series, and it's called Thrive, and it's Living Like Jesus is Alive. And today we're going to talk about what it means to be fully alive in Jesus. But we've celebrated our Savior dying on the cross for our sins and Jesus being resurrected from the dead on Easter morning. And so now we have to figure out now what? What are we going to do with that? There's something different about being alive in Jesus. And this year, as we're coming out of COVID, where we feel like, I know we as a church staff sometimes felt like we were just doing whatever we could. We were trying to respond to changes and things changing quickly, and that takes a lot of energy. But now we have the opportunity to thrive, and we've seen that happening around us. We see that, that energy, and we want to be a thriving church with vibrant ministries and a vision and passion and a sense of purpose in our community. But that doesn't happen because we've decided to increase our budget or hire some new staff to head up some new programming. It happens because all of us deepen our connection with Christ and allow that fruitfulness to flow from that source of life and love. And it's easy to wrap up a holiday and just start looking forward. You can get done with Easter, and I know even for us as a church staff, we start to focus on summer. It's busy, and there's a lot coming, and we're excited about it. And so it's easy to just, that was Easter, we're done, and to move forward. As a parent, we start counting down the days to the end of the school year. We start focusing on that. I'm going to ask a question, and I want to hear loud responses to this question, if you know it. I'm going to gamble that you do know the answer to this question. How many days of school are left? See? (laughs) Some of those are children answering, and some of those are the teachers answering. Um, Some of those are the parents answering. (laughs) We start to get focused on that. And our holidays can become a quick check in the box, something that we've done, and then it's time to move on to the next one. But we've done all this reflection, all this fasting, all this prayer during this time of Lent. And we've gone from Ash Wednesday to Palm Sunday to Maundy Thursday to Good Friday to Easter morning. And now all of a sudden, we're supposed to just get back to the normal rhythms of life. But I don't think that's what was happening for the disciples at that time. And so we have to figure out how we can stay connected to Christ. How do we stay connected to the cross and to that empty tomb? How do we allow his fullness and his fruitfulness to flow through us? The disciples and the followers of Christ during this time, there's 50 days between Easter and Pentecost. We can have like a whole sermon series on the significance of that 50 days. But I think there's also some importance to the 50 days. It wasn't a week. It wasn't seven days, three days that Jesus hung around. He stayed for 50 days. I think he knew he had some work to do. And I think the disciples and his followers needed him because they were trying to make sense of what this meant for how they were going to live their lives going forward. They were still pondering questions like, 
did this really happen? Thomas wanted to see and feel the wounds. Peter was just trying to figure it all out. The, the, several of them questioned the empty tomb. Like, what's happening? It hadn't dawned on them yet what was really happening. But Jesus was there with them, addressing their doubts and fears, instructing them and helping to remind them, because he'd already told them what their next steps was, but they'd had, had a big shock to their system. This had not ended the way they thought it was going to. And so he came back to remind them what those next steps are. Remind them that Jesus was not abandoning them or leaving them alone, that they still needed to be connected to him through the power of the Holy Spirit as individuals and as a community. And so I think this time for us should be that similar reflection. It should be a time where we make sure that we really understand what happened and what that means to us individually and as a church. Because when we understand that, we're able to thrive. We are able to be fully alive. So what does it mean to thrive post-resurrection? What does it mean to remain in Christ and remain connected to him? How do we continue this passion for Easter into this season? And how do we make sure that we are living like Jesus is fully alive? Jesus came to give us new life, and there's a lot of scripture that, that reminds us of that. In John 20, 30 through 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of, a, of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And then we can go on in John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come so that you may have life and have it to the full. Not just an ordinary mundane life, but have it to the full. And then this is the part we're going to unpack a little bit more and talk a little bit more is this idea of the vine and the tree. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we're going to look at what it means to remain connected to a risen Christ. We're going to talk about what it means to be connected to that tree. We're pretty familiar with those verses from chapter 15, but if you go back to chapter 14, just before that, all of chapter 14 is Jesus explaining to the disciples what's going to happen, what's going to about his ministry, his death, his resurrection. He's laying it all out there for them. And then we start right into chapter 15 with what it's going to look like. Jesus is explaining to them how they're going to be able to navigate and do that and what that needs to look like for them. And so he's giving them instructions. You've got to remain connected to me. Our fullness of life is a life connected to Christ. It's not from our effort. It is from the source and the efforts of the tree of life through the Holy Spirit. And it's the mission of God to unite us to himself and to one another. 
when you're connected to that vine, to that tree, that tree of life represents life and God. If we go back to the Garden of Eden and the tree of life, it represents who God was and life and God in the garden. And Jesus is letting the disciples know that he is the tree of life. He is bringing God into the world. When Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowing good and evil, it represented them taking authority from God and deciding what they were going to do was good in their own eyes. They stopped having God's perspective and started looking at things through their own perspective. But that's what leads to broken relationships, to violence and sin and death. And our sin represents our desire to do what we want, what is good in our eyes. That becomes our perspective. So how do we get back to the tree of life? And that problem is solved through another tree. This time, it's the cross. And the cross is a sad and violent result of humanity's desire to do what it wants. You can see it in the events that led up to that day, to let, that led up to Friday. But you can also see it in our own lives. It's when we start to make our decisions on our own and try to live life according to what we think or what the world thinks. But now, through Jesus, our old selves die... And now through Jesus, we don't just eat the fruit of the tree. We become a part of the tree. We are connected to Christ and we become a source of fruit as well. We are connected to the source, which is Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not surprising that the disciples needed a few weeks to figure all this out and what it meant for them. And I think we need that time as well. We become a part of the tree so that we produce fruit. So God's life and love can spread to others through us. Let's look at how the disciples were transformed over that time. Immediately after that Sunday morning, the empty tomb, there was doubts and fears, really pretty much confusion chaos. During that time, they were hiding in fear, but they stopped hiding in fear because they started to understand what it was to be connected in Christ, that they weren't alone, that they were fully alive and connected to a fully alive Christ. And they started to boldly speak of the resurrection of Jesus They began to share their possessions, care for the poor, eat together. They went against everything Roman culture told them they should do. They ate with prostitutes and sinners and slaves, the rich and the poor across classes. And they shared their possessions. And they prayed together and worshiped together. The Spirit empowered them to see life in a whole new way. And everything around them began to change. And when we believe, when we go to God and take on his perspective, when we stop trusting our perspective and stop trying to figure out what is good on our own or we stop listening to the world, when we have God allow God to shape our perspective, 
we not only get a perspective and we get to experience eternal life, but we become instruments of life here on earth. We adopt an eternal perspective, but it changes how we live in the here and now. Because we know we have a Savior who went to the cross, who died for our sins, who rose from the dead, we are able to know that we are forgiven. And when we are forgiven, we're called to forgive others. Jesus' greatest commandment was, go, love others as I have loved you. As we begin to reshape that perspective, we no longer live in fear and shame. We're no longer hiding because our sin is forgiven and we can speak boldly about what Jesus has done for us. Just like the disciples were able to speak boldly about the resurrection. We no longer have to live with an attitude of scarcity, worried that there won't be enough, that we may not be enough, that we won't have all the time or the resources to do all the things that the world says are so important. And instead, we begin to share what we have and care for the poor. If you look at Oaks of Righteousness, that's a ministry that was started at this church. It started with women who went down and met the bus from our church. They would go into Houston and meet the bus as the women were dropped off from prison. And they would give them kind of just bags of some flip-flops, some toiletry items, very little, but just something. But through their ministry of presence, they began to get to know the women and hear their stories and their needs, and they were able to respond to that. And out of all of that, we now have a home where they can come to and live and grow and experience God's love and grace and mercy. We have a group and a team that's from Kairos that's at Polensky this weekend. They're there with the men in white sharing the gospel, sharing that there is a God who loved them enough to send his only son to die for their sins so that, excuse me, although they may not ever get out of that place, they can still experience new life. There is not a prison or chains that we cannot overcome through Christ's love and grace and mercy. And when we're connected to the vine, when we're connected to to the cross, when we're connected to Jesus, our perspective changes. Our priorities change. And Jesus invites us into new life now where the poor have what they need, where misfits belong, where enemies reconcile and share a meal in peace. Because through the cross, there is hope. And hope can imagine a future that God promised. Hope also can imitate that future in the present. And when we adopt God's perspective, it changes every interaction. It allows us to picture a life without addiction, without brokenness, where others know the hope of Jesus Christ as well and are welcomed into the church. People are fed. Prisoners hear the good news. Thriving means living a life of abundance, a fruitful life, an overflowing life. 
Galatians 5 reminds us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When we're connected to Christ, this is what flows from us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here at the church, as a staff, we are organized primarily around Connect, Grow, Serve. You'll see that in lots of different places. It's not just what we do. It's kind of how we approach things. I'm pastor of Connect. Clint is pastor of Serve, and Jeremy is pastor of Grow or Discipleship. Clint's uh, Serve as Missions. The thing that I love the most about our staff, and not just our pastoral staff, but our staff in general, is it's very hard to tell where one of those ministry categories ends and begins. There's some pretty clear things of lines of responsibility, but a lot of them become really fuzzy really quickly because they overlap so much. And that's the way it's supposed to be. When we're connected to Christ, it's reflected in the ways that we serve, with the missions that we do, how we serve those around us, how we live out that, our faith in those ways. And it's through that discipleship, through growing in our faith, that we have a desire to serve more, to connect more, to grow more. It all just kind of turns into this big cycle that keeps renewing and going on. The lines get blurred. We don't know where one begins. So when we're trying to connect with Christ, we've got to do it in all of those ways. There's not just one connection point. When you graft a, a limb onto a vine or a tree, you have to get good contact. So we have to connect and contact and be in contact with Jesus in multiple ways. And not just individually, but together as a church as well as a community. We were not meant to do this alone. And so as we stay connected through worship on Sunday mornings, as individuals and as a church, we're able to see how God calls us together to see his fruitfulness, to see the ways that we can connect, grow, and serve, and do all of that, the ways that we can thrive as a church and be fully alive in him because we're connecting, connecting to Jesus as our primary source. As we continue in worship and we look at this time of, of communion, I want you to listen to the liturgy today and listen to all the ways that it helps us connect back to Christ, to connect back to that empty tomb. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. Jesus healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. And by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always. 
in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Now pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ. Connect us back to Jesus, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. When we're acting as the body of Christ, that fruitfulness is flowing from us through the Holy Spirit. And by your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen.